Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. This week's podcast is brought to you by Bear's Little Fish, which was founded by Marianne in 2020 after becoming a mum to twin boys in 2017. She was absolutely blown away by the generosity of her friends and family. The most memorable gifts were somewhat predictably the most practical. This is what she sought to provide with Bear's Little Fish, practical essentials aimed to be used daily with a nostalgic element providing an added bonus of making simply great presents. Bear's Little Fish creates high quality goods for your young family with a focus on durability. Based in Dublin, Ireland, they understand better than anyone the importance of providing snug and cosy essentials for your baby without compromising on detail. Bear's Little Fish are also committed to doing what they can for the environment and have chosen to create a sustainable range made from premium bamboo blended muslin. So made from 70% bamboo and 30% cotton. All fabrics are certified either Okatech Standard 100 or GOTS Organic Cotton. All items are gift boxed with recyclable materials. Aside from the obvious eco-friendly benefit this range provides, it is also a kind choice for babies with skin sensitivities. Choose from their range of thick muslin blankets in various sizes, sleeping bags, hooded towels, sheets, bandana bibs and much more. They have also kindly offered a discount code, BIRTH10, uh, which will give you a 10% discount at checkout on their website. So visit www.bearslittlefish.com to see their full range of stock. In this week's episode, I chat to Judith and she talks me through her experience with trying to conceive pregnancy, labour, birth and also loss. So Judith talks us through the birth of her little boy. Um, one of our little boys, he was delivered vaginally and she opted for an epidural and some funny moments in there as well. Um, she has unfortunately suffered a lot of early pregnancy loss. Um, so she talks us through all of those details and the, the adjustments she made to her life. So her lifestyle, she went back to the gym. She was prescribed uh, some pregnancy supporting medication as well. Um, and then she talks us through the delivery of her second little boy which was he came very quickly and it was quite intense and she delivered him again vaginally but this time with no epidural. She talks us through her most recent experience with the loss of her little boy 
Noah at 16 weeks gestation. So she goes into detail surrounding his delivery. So if you're not ready to listen to a story surrounding loss, um, then the end of the episode might not be for you. I will share an update um, at the end of the episode. Judith shared with me some details of her, her current journey. So I will share them as well. Thank you, Judith. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Judith, you're very welcome. Would you like to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Thanks, Cora. Thank you for having me. Um, I love listening to your stories, so I can't believe I'm telling you mine. Um, I'm Judith and I am married to Martin and we are both from Dublin but live in Kildare. Uh, We have two little boys, Sam is five and Max is two. Um, Martin has been working at home since last March um, and I have been a stay-at-home mommy for the last five years. Um, and yeah, that's, that's us in a nutshell. Will we go into your first pregnancy? So was your first pregnancy planned? Uh, yes. And no, <laughs> he was planned, but he was just planned for maybe three months time. Um, so going back to a quick backstory, we'll explain a lot of mm-hmm. other stuff, uh, as we go through it, um, when I was 19, I was informally diagnosed with PCOS, so polycystic okay. ovarian syndrome. Um, and when I did my research, I was basically just diagnosed, diagnosed informally and given the pill, the sticky plaster. Okay. Um, but the biggest thing for me when I did all my own research was that fertility could be a bit of an issue for me. Um, and in my teenage years, I'd always had like missing periods. They just didn't come maybe once every couple of years. Um, so fast oh, forward good. till I was 29 and I was still on the pill uh, to control or sticky plaster over the symptoms. Um, I met Martin and within a couple of months of meeting him, I told him that I didn't know if I'd be able to have kids. Mm. And it's something that had just always been, you know, in my mind since my teenage years. Um, so I just <laughs> decided to be upfront when I met my Prince Charming. And he said, look, that's fine. We'll deal with that when the time comes. So fast forward another three years, uh, we were engaged and we were planning our wedding. And I decided to go and see my GP and say, look, this is where I'm at. We'd like to start a family in about a year's time. And I would like to kind of get a formal diagnosis and do any tests mm. that we need to do now, like get get started. And um, so he said, that's great. No problem. But the first thing you need to do is stop taking the pill and give it about six months for your body to do its own thing and see what happens. You just don't know. Um, so that, yeah, that made sense to me. So I agreed and that was, it, it was simple. <laughs> just stop taking it. Um, and luckily, um, and to my surprise, I did get a natural period and uh, not like every 28 days or anything, but it would be maybe every 35 days, 33 days, a little bit irregular, but it did come. So that was fantastic. Um, and then after that, I identified that about 14 days before I would get my period, I get really sore nipples <laughs> so for about three days. Um, and I guessed then that was the time that I was ovulating. So it was all good. Mm. And I never even went back to the GP because I was like, OK, well, you know, we're off to a good start and I don't really need to worry about it till after the wedding. So <laughs> that's brilliant that you were so in tune with your body because for so long you wouldn't have really had many symptoms quite like that because you were on the pill so you you kind of you kind of caught on pretty quick didn't you yeah I think like for me I always always wanted to have children and so when I was in my 20s those things I was really aware of my body 
Um, mm. And then when I came off the pill, I suppose I was instantly kind of tracking and watching every niggle all of a sudden that I never would have paid yeah. any attention to before. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really good. And I suppose we I was so confident about it that we kind of used uh, that as a bit of contraception. <laughs> you know, we just didn't do anything for those three days of the month. And that was fine mm. until one night we did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um <laughs> one night we played chicken um after a night out <laughs> and um <laughs> he played chicken with ovulation and yeah I did all the statistics in my head and the chances of getting pregnant the first time are pretty low and the chances of me getting pregnant are even lower and so we'll be grand for tonight <laughs> um, oh, like so... get, my, get my phone and check my ovulation tracker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no <laughs> so um yeah, I would give the details. Barton was like, but I thought you were ovulating. I was like, we'll be grand. Just once will be grand. Yeah. Um, and I honestly didn't think much of it because I knew like the odds were so low of getting yeah. pregnant, you know. Um, so that was it. Just went on about our business. And about uh, 11 days later, I was in the gym holding a barbell above my head <laughs> and the room started to spin. <laughs> and I had to put down the barbell and walk out of the room and put my head between my knees. And in that moment, I just whispered to myself, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and that was it. But I continued to stay in denial until my period was due the following week. <laughs> uh, like that was on a Thursday evening. And then it was Monday. I think my period should have been been here. And um I didn't know anything about early pregnancy tests. I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know you could do a test before your period was due or anything mm. like that. So I was like, no, I'll just wait for it. Waited for Monday. Couldn't be. Waited for Tuesday. No, it's going to come any minute now. And waited till Wednesday. <laughs> and um, I was just in work one day and just had to find out straight away. So I snuck out of the office. And went to the nearest pharmacy and asked her a pregnancy test. And she said, which one? And I said, "I the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> Snuck back to the office, <laughs> went to the canteen, got a paper cup, went into the quietest toilets and did a pregnancy test. <laughs> um, and yeah, I didn't know how to read it. I sat there in complete disbelief going like from the leaflet to the test to the leaflet to the test. Um, couldn't believe it. Just wish there was somebody else there who could look at it with me but there wasn't mm. um, and that was it yeah went home that evening and bought a digital test and it said pregnant and yeah so that was 10 weeks it was 10 weeks before our wedding um so I was 12 weeks pregnant the day we got married um and yeah had to fake drink at my hen party and my wedding oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. did anybody clock it well no, I told a couple of people to help me <laughs> mask. Oh yeah, okay, good idea. Um, so there was a lot of uh, non-alcoholic cocktails and <laughs> things like that. But yeah, somebody like somebody at the wedding said it. He was like, "Oh, are you on the coke?" I was like, "Oh yeah, just need some sugar." <laughs> but no, no. People are always trying to sniff that stuff out, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, <laughs> that was it. But no, like my mom and my sister knew. Um, and yeah, a couple of friends knew, but that was it. So we came yeah. home from our, we didn't go on honeymoon and uh, we just went away for a week and um, we had planned a big honeymoon, but that didn't happen. And um, so when we kind of came home from a week in the sun, um, we told everybody and yeah, they're quite surprised because I was already 14 weeks mm. at that stage. 
So yeah, planned, but I bet 12 weeks early. <laughs> yeah, nice though. Yeah, fantastic. Well, yeah. given that I'd, yeah. I'd always thought that we would struggle with it mm. um, and I was really kind of dreading starting to try. Yeah, it was the best thing that ever could have happened. So talk us through your pregnancy then. What care route did you go down and how were your appointments? Yeah, so we went to Hollis Street and uh, I went public at the time. Uh, well, I've always gone public, but um, at the time there was no option. We were getting married and bought a new house. So mm. that was just it. That was the, the decision. Um, the pregnancy was perfect. Absolutely, you know, nothing dramatic or anything happened. Um, we went for a private scan at 10 weeks because I was still in denial um, and knowing that we were going to be waiting till 14 weeks for my booking in appointment I just wanted to see it see mm. that it was real um, and yeah that was it had my booking in appointment um, went to just all the normal appointments then the only thing that happened was I got pelvic girdle pain um, but it was quite manageable because I didn't have any other children or anything like that so it was you know manageable I reduced my hours in work so I was only working from 10 a.m to 3 p.m just to miss the commute traffic so I wasn't sitting in the car driving for a really long time um but no the pregnancy was literally nothing to report everything was as it should yeah was really lucky um I was exhausted for the first trimester (laughs) um not surprising we were planning the wedding but mm. <laughs> um yeah completely exhausted like I couldn't they went out to pick suits for the groomsmen my husband went out and I just said I don't care like I don't care what they were <laughs> I'm not coming I'm lying on the couch and <laughs> um, so I was really tired but that was that was the height of it to be honest yeah I loved it I loved being pregnant I knew nothing about nothing <laughs> you know I didn't know what could go wrong I didn't know mm. anything I did the antenatal classes just with the hospital, um, which was just a great half day off work. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was it. I was blissful. Did you have any preferences? Did you have any preferences for pain relief or anything like that? No, nothing. I My approach to it was that I felt that I should know all the information and know all the options, but be open to what I would choose at the time um, I felt that you know I didn't want to tie myself down to anything or make any plans that I'd be disappointed that didn't happen or anything like mm. that so I mean there was so much I didn't know but I thought I knew enough or I felt at the time I knew enough to make yeah. decisions about my care as it happened um, and there's some in hindsight now that I would have had, but I didn't know that they were even options at the time. My only thing was in relation to breastfeeding. I was completely adamant that I would be breastfeeding. I was um, off work for about six weeks before I was due because it kind of fell Christmas time and then January. So I was having a great time um, meeting people for coffee in the mornings and doing all these lovely things. And I had my expectations set that I would go two weeks over 100% you know just from a headspace Mm. um so one morning at 39 plus four um I woke up at half eight and my husband was gone to work already and I was due to meet my mom and my sister at half ten for coffee so I said 
I'll get up and I'll go to the toilet and I'll go back to bed for an hour and I will get up then and get dressed and head off. So I went into the bathroom, sat on the toilet and heard quite a loud pop or a click noise um, and then a slightly smaller one. And then at the same time, I got a pain um, and I kind of, oh, that was a bit just like a sharp pain uh, down there. Um, and I had heard that if your waters go at home, you might hear a click or a pop. So mm. I kind of had it on my head, but I was like, it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> so I kind of sat there for a minute and thought about it. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm grand. Nothing else has happened. I'm fine. Stood up, washed my hands and turned around with my two steps back to the bed and felt fluid kind of soak my underwear. So thinking okay <laughs> I've just been to the toilet so the chances of that being we are pretty slim uh, so I went off and cleaned myself up and put on just a panty liner and sat back down in the bed and text Martin and said um, can you keep your phone nearby there's been a funny little incident and he rang me straight away and was like I'm on the way what do you mean there's been a funny little incident I was like okay calm down I'm fine. Just, I'm just asking you to keep the phone because, you know, we'd be one for leaving the phone and not looking at it for hours. Okay. Um, so he was like, grand. Okay. And I told him what had happened. Text my mom. My sister said the same thing. Don't think we'll be meeting for coffee this morning. Not sure what's happening, but I'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. So as I sat in the bed, I got another pain. And um, then there was more kind of fluid on the panty liner and so I kind of I kind of knew then that that was my waters that they had gone um and like from the antenatal classes all I could remember was take your time there's no rush but do come in and get checked I remember saying that like so I was like grand I'll take my time I'll go down and have a big breakfast a big hearty breakfast now and I will have a shower and I'll get ready and it'll be grand we'll go in and if I can collect a sample I will but it'll be grand so I went down the stairs and I think I ran my friend who lived um she was on maternity leave but lived quite close and she was like I'm just 10 minutes away but I'll come back to you straight away so she turned her car and came back and I went downstairs and made myself a bowl of Weedabix and some homemade brown bread with marmalade and I had grand plans uh but I started getting contractions like really quickly um I think I got through the Weedabix and that was kind of it I was getting really strong pains and um, my friend arrived in and like already I was kind of having to get down onto my knees and lie over the chair the kitchen chair uh, to get through the pains and I was just it was just pure instinct because I hadn't expected this at all mm. I don't know what I had, had expected but just following my body just walking around the kitchen like maybe lying across the island then for another one now, when I say they were closer I, I didn't time anything because I was in denial again <laughs> um, but they were probably every 10 minutes like they were quite quick from you know having just waters gone and no signs of yeah. anything before that um so Martin arrived home um, and he had about 45 minutes by the time he got home and yeah, told him what was happening and he saw me and I was like, right, I'll go upstairs and have a shower and we'll go in, it'll be grand. So I went upstairs, I was very calm, very relaxed. I was like, it's fine. 
I went upstairs and went into the ensuite and I could hear <laughs> Martin and my friend outside and she having had a baby her first baby recently was like outside whispering to him but not whispering she needs to go to the hospital and she needs oh. to go now <laughs> and I shouted out because I was in my head going for god's sake will you just go away like why are you outside the room I think I called out fine but I'll just brush my teeth and put on deodorant first yeah so she sent him down the stairs to just put a, a towel on the, the car seat for for me and that was it so I just took my time and yeah got into the car and we headed in and I was trying to time the contractions but it was I was using an app and I had to put in my four digit code before I could hit start and I just the pains were too fast and too intense I couldn't do that we got down anyway he pulled up across the road and from the main entrance so I was brought down to the lift and brought straight up to delivery and straight into a room. Um, and yeah, I was in a lot of a lot of pain. Um, so this is mm. this is all happening really quickly from half eight in the morning. Um, and again, I had had no plan as to pain relief or anything. I just said I'd decide at the time, but I just wanted the epidural. I just said, please, please, <laughs> I need it. Um, so she did check me straight away and I was three centimeters when I arrived which doesn't sound a lot but I suppose my waters had gone as well and I didn't realize at the time but the pains were just more difficult I guess when your when your waters are gone generally they seem to kind of be more intense so luckily the anesthetist was ready straight away there was no waiting for him and yeah I was really lucky and yeah he did that and oh the relief Oh, the relief. Um, but this was only quarter past 11. So it had mm. been less than three hours. Yeah. Um, since I just got up out of bed without a bother. So the day itself then was just a lovely day. <laughs> we had two midwives um, and nothing bad happened. Nothing unusual happened. It was just waiting and chatting and yeah hanging out um baby was fine I was fine yeah uh got to about half five I think and um said okay you're 10 centimeters you're ready ready to have the baby but what we'll do is we will um we're going our breaks and while we're doing that you can just rest and you know relax and when we come back you can start to push so they turned off the lights. Everybody went kind of really quiet. It was really nice. I just kind of lay there quietly, peacefully. It was just a really nice 45 minutes. Mm. And the room had been so busy all day with bright lights and people, you know what I mean? And chatting and all the rest. And it had been lovely. But I remember just kind of lying there going, oh, this is really nice. I'm sure I was tired at that stage. Um, so yeah, 45 minutes of just lying and preparing and getting mm. ready um and so yeah they came back and sure enough she was like right ready to go so I began to push and again nothing nothing bad happened I pushed for about 40 minutes um Martin was holding one leg and Rose was holding the other leg you know kind of towards the end to give me a little bit of a help but yeah he came out and no problem uh, Martin said to me it's a boy <laughs> we didn't know and I said f off is it (laughs) 
couldn't believe it. We had been adamant it was a boy. Um, so we really couldn't believe that we were right. Um, and this is kind of, I suppose, where I would have different preferences now. But at the time, I didn't really know. So they kind of just put him up in me for a second and then took him away, like cut the cord, took him away. Martin didn't want to do it. So they put the cord and took him away and cleaned him and weighed him or whatever. Um, and yeah, just brought him back to me then. Um, I did have a small tear uh, which needed stitches and some poor young doctor had to do that job <laughs> um yes there was a good bit of blood lost I think they were a bit concerned for a little while so kind of Martin held Sam while we um got all that done and that was it he was handed over to me and I think I latched him on again it's a little bit of a blur I latched him on and yeah he nursed away no problem. Oh. Um, I did get actually the injection for to deliver the placenta um, and that made me vomit just once, but it all worked fine. Um, and that was it. Um, the midwives, they finished their shift at eight o'clock. So I know they were kind of wrapping up everything, but um, one of them popped her head around the, the door and said, um, Judith, your mom and sister are here. Would you mind if they came in? Oh, cool. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Brass necks on them. (laughs) (laughs) I would never do that. I'd be like, no, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. But the two of them had been sitting downstairs for two hours waiting for the text. Oh, that's so nice. I jabbed their arms. So, yeah, it was lovely. Oh, God, you'd never be allowed it now. I know. Yeah. The two of them came in, I mean, literally for five minutes at the most (laughs) and had a little look and, you know, hugged me and it was really really nice uh and my mommy brought me in some nice soda bread so everyone talks about the toast and yeah. I always talk about my mommy's soda bread <laughs> that she brought me in so um that was it we were brought down to the ward at about nine o'clock and that was it left to our own devices yeah so if you want to just talk us through your second pregnancy yeah Sure. Um, so after Sam um, turned 12 months, we decided to maybe try and have another baby. Um, and unfortunately, things didn't go quite as smoothly as we would have liked. So I ended up having um, an early miscarriage. Sorry, we got pregnant the first time, first month that we tried. Um, but I knew it wasn't right. It just didn't feel right. And at five weeks, I began to miscarry. It wasn't really taken by surprise. It just, I knew it was going to happen. It just never seemed the same as my first pregnancy. Um, And then we fell pregnant straight away again. And that time I had a missed miscarriage. I'd gone in for an early scan and unfortunately it was a missed miscarriage. So we had a DNC. I had a DNC, I think about nine weeks. Then I got pregnant again um, and it was another early loss and we ended up then being entitled to have a test done by Hollis Street uh, Miscarriage Clinic. So we did all of those tests and decided to take a little break and wait and see what the results were. And the results came back that there was nothing found. They confirmed that I had the PCOS, polycystic ovaries, um, but it wasn't impacting me getting pregnant and they couldn't see anything at all. So after that, then we tried again and we got pregnant the first time again. And unfortunately, another early loss. So I was starting to get a little bit uh, worried, so to speak, about this. But 
And I didn't really know where to go again. You know, when you're starting out with something, you just don't, you don't have the information. So I had joined a Facebook group when Sam was born, um, a breastfeeding Facebook group. And there was probably about 100 women in that group. And I decided to kind of open up there and ask for some advice and guidance. Um, so I was kind of looking at alternative therapies and got some lovely private messages from people who had experienced and um, decided to go with acupuncture and chose a lady who lived kind of within a half an hour of our house. So I went to see her and she was amazing. Um, she'll probably be listening to this. I still see her now, but um, yeah, she was absolutely amazing, life-changing and put me on the right path for a lot of things. Um, so we did acupuncture with her. She checked over all my blood results and kind of was able to tell me that, okay, my blood results were normal, but they were not necessarily optimal. Um, so I started some supplements and she also sent me on to see a gynecologist who also did a scan and then prescribed to me some supporting medications for early pregnancy. So I did everything that I was told to do um, or suggested to do. And as well as that, I decided to get back to the gym because I felt that as fit and healthy as I'd been when I fell pregnant with Sam was possibly, you know, a helping hand to such a good pregnancy the first time around. And you probably in the lead up to your wedding as well, you really look after yourself more so than you have done. Yeah, really. yeah, that's how I felt as well. Yeah. 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 Like, like, yeah, I had been, re- I wasn't mm. drinking or doing anything. You know, I was being really good and getting to the gym all the time and eating really well. And of course, I was asleep. <laughs> um, and then I did, when I was kind of researching, it did seem that weight training for people with PCOS can be really great for helping balance okay. hormones. So we kind of decided that it would be really important for me to do that as part of kind of getting my body ready to start trying for the fifth mm-hmm. time um, after Sam. So I would go to the gym like three evenings a week and once the weekends. And yeah, I was dairy free for a long time. I was doing acupuncture, taking supplements. Um, I was put on metformin for insulin resistance and um, PCOS. And yeah. So once we kind of had all that in place, we decided to try again. And um, I was waiting to ovulate and waiting to ovulate. And it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening. It was really strange. And so I gave up and we went to Wexford for a week um, with some family. And about a day or two after we got there, I started noticing the signs of ovulation, um, which for me are really strong. So this is about day 37 of my cycle. Um, and of course, I know ovulation tests with me. I'd, you know, totally given up. And one evening, I got a really sharp pain in my right hand side. And I said to Martin, I think I might be ovulating now. <laughs> it's day 40. So <laughs> the jigs and the reels, we somehow managed to give it one shot again. Um, just the one, given that we were in a house full of people. Um, and thought, no way, absolutely not. Like, I'm sure I'm way off. But sure enough. 10 days later, I had a little bit of spotting, which turned out to be implantation bleeding. And yeah, that was it. I was I was pregnant. And of course, I was extremely anxious for for the whole pregnancy, um, particularly at the start. Um, 
we went on holidays to Spain when I was about six weeks pregnant um, and I you know was having normal cramps like but just so so worried about them um, I went off one day to find a pharmacy that would sell digital tests with the you know the week's indicators to see um, which I did find and came home and did the test and it said three plus which gave me a little bit of relief um, and then a few days later I had a small amount of bleeding one night um, and woke Martin up and said it's over that's it it's gone we're done um there's nothing we can do <laughs> so you go back to bed so typical man he went back to sleep and I started googling and I came across a few things that said that it could be irritation from the progesterone supplements that I was taking vaginally and um, so at the time I was going to bed I was like yeah like that that does that seems to add up you know this is a little bit different this isn't like miscarriage mm. this is a little bit like the blood is a little bit different um and thankfully that's what it was and it cleared itself up over a couple of days um and I started taking the suppositories anally then instead for the rest so that wouldn't happen again and um, like when we've been over in Spain I had tried to find somebody who would do a scan mm-hmm. you know just even though it was too early anyway it was all fine and uh, again we just had a normal healthy pregnancy a little bit of pelvic girdle pain um but because I wasn't working this time it just didn't seem to be okay. as bad um, I did have Sam run around after but you know I could rest when I needed to rest I wasn't getting out I wasn't sitting for two hours in traffic in the morning and two hours in the evening or anything like that so it was all quite um manageable um I think I did have a small bleed at one stage and got that checked and you know there was it was nothing uh, to worry about so yeah that was it another healthy pregnancy. Do you want to talk us through your first signs of labour? So yeah um, so I towards the end I just was done Um, I had been just so anxious for the whole thing um and about 38 weeks I was like so swollen my body was just done <laughs> I was buying size seven shoes for my size five feet um and I went in for my appointment at 38 plus six 38 plus four weeks and um when I just went up to the the midwife you know they just kind of check you in to ask you a couple of questions I just started crying <laughs> I'm so swollen and I you know I'm just I'm done I can't wait any longer and she said to me um you could ask the doctor for a sweep if you like and I had not thought about this at all I didn't know it was an option I didn't know that they did this I know a lot more from listening to your podcast but at the time I didn't like I wasn't expecting that at all so I sat back down on my chair and straight away started googling (laughs) sweeps and what that would be like and getting on to my friend who I knew had had a couple she'd had a home birth a little while before and she'd had a couple of weeks before birth um and then I was called in really quickly to see the doctor and he you know said I did I didn't ask him for a sweep but he again when I said I'm just miserable and this that and the other he said are you asking me for a sweep <laughs> and I was like I, I 
I don't know. Like I, I the, the midwife just mentioned to me outside. It's no, like it's, it wasn't my intention. And I said to him, I've just sent a message to my friend who I know just had had one recently and I wait for her response, but I didn't oh, get time to listen to it. And in fairness, he kind of very kind said to me, well, would you like to go out and listen to the message that she sent you and then make your decision? Mm. You know, it's obviously getting on to somebody that I really trust her opinion on whether, you know, would she do it again or would she go without kind of thing? Um, so then I said, no, 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 just do it. Just do it. <laughs> So we did it and I got into my car to drive home. I was like, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> What's going to happen tonight? Uh, what, what have I done? What happens on the way home and I'm on my own? Okay. Um, yeah, but it didn't, obviously. But yeah, that evening then I started to get contractions. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, very irregular. Um, but when I was sitting down, they would kind of move maybe every 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. If I walked around, they would stop. Um but yeah, they were definitely happening. Um, got up the next morning and it took a while for them to start kind of again. And it was the same kind of situation. If I moved around, they would be kind of erratic. But if I sat still, they would be regular. So it started in the morning at about six minutes apart when I sat down. Um, and as the morning went on, I just said to, to my mom, you know, would you mind just coming down and just be here? Um and we'll see kind of how it goes. She was going to mind Sam. The second time around the hospital, they were like, yeah, like maybe, maybe you, you should come in, you know, you're an hour away Um, come in and we'll see. So I took my time. I had a shower, dried my hair. My sister came over, you know, the, I wasn't in any rush to get there. Um, and like that, when I was walking around and having my shower, they weren't as frequent. Okay. Um, so we left for the hospital at about 5.30 that evening. Um, went in and in the car they were less than every five minutes but totally manageable nothing like the time I'd you know gone in with Sam um, so I was brought in and brought straight to delivery but I wasn't dilated at all which wasn't a surprise to me at all um, so I just kind of was asked to walk up and down the corridor and you know see how I felt and I guess they were assessing me to mm. see how I was managing it um, and I was you know I knew myself that this this wasn't happening anytime soon so um, I was brought to the labour ward I was happy with that um, and I was given a birthing stool and Martin was there the whole time um, with me um, and like that the, the I remember the they would kind of get stronger and then ease off again and when I first got down to the labour ward the, I remember one of the midwives said to me oh you won't be here for long um, and I was obviously hoping I wouldn't be there for long, but yeah, I was there for long. And I walked the corridors of Hollis Street on my own, up and down the stairs, trying to get something to happen. I don't know what, up and down the stairs, two steps at a time, be sitting downstairs, you know, just moving all around, mm. sitting on the birthing stool, listening to some music. Um, yeah, but eventually I, I just had to go to bed. <laughs> So I went to bed and I slept um, in a lovely quiet ward at that time, thankfully. So I got a few hours sleep, got up the next morning and spent the day behind the curtain, basically with the contractions coming every five minutes. Um, women coming and going and having their babies um, and nobody really coming near me. It was grand. Like it was very calm mm. and, you know, just listened to my music and Martin came in. It was fine. Um, and... Like a, at one stage, I kind of said to the midwife, I was like, I might go home. Will I just go yeah. home? 
like I really don't need to be here I think I'll just go home and she was like no 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 and then a couple of hours later I was like no no really I think I should just go home like I don't I really don't need to be here I'm grand and she kind of said to me um, she's like you're, you're not going home without your baby like mm-hmm. she's like you live an hour away if anything's to happen you know after the last time she was like no no she obviously didn't realize that I had been serious like yeah <laughs> I really was like no sure I'll just go home I'll come back it'll be grand so she was like not at all um she was lovely so later on that evening then um again I sent Martin home I was like you go home you know go home get Sam to bed whatever have something to eat have a shower and you know let you know if anything happens so the wards just got really quiet like there was no women left bar myself and I think there was two others and I guess they kind of had time to come over and and see what was going on (laughs) behind my curtain because I really hadn't seen anybody all day um and she came in she said how about we just put a trace on the baby and make sure you know it's it's doing okay with all these contractions going on for so long so she did that for you know half an hour and she's like oh yeah every four and a half minutes and I was like I'm so glad you can see that because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you know you might believe me I've been here for so long and were they intense could you really feel them or how do they feel I was definitely breathing through okay. them you know like if you're outside the curtain you definitely hear me like breathing through mm. them um and they were definitely stronger but they were totally manageable like you know they weren't they were fine mm. it was just frustrating because it was every five minutes <laughs> you know you're like oh for god's sake another one yeah, exhausting as <laughs> well it wasn't, yeah it wasn't painful as such no it was painful but it wasn't I, I just didn't feel like I was anywhere near you know anything mm. happening I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Um, so she did the trace and then she said, Maybe I'll just check and see if you're dilated. And she checked and I wasn't. And she said, um, have your waters gone? And I said, no, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that they haven't. 
Um, so she said, we just might get a doctor to double check that. So doctor came, double checked, no, waters haven't gone. She said, grand. She said, would you like me to do another sweep? And well, I just said, yeah, <laughs> like go for it. Um, so she did a good sweep. <laughs> the only way I could describe it. And she did say to me beforehand, now when I do this, things are going to kick up. I, don't, I think she had some sort of crystal ball, to be honest with you, because she predicted about what was about to happen. And sure enough, she did the sweep and the pains became real pains. Like, yeah, huge difference in the pain level. How quick did that come about? Like straight away. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Straight away, yeah. Kind of wanted Martin to get there. Um, and he did, thankfully, just about... Um, and I let her check me then and she said right you're two centimeters you're ready to go to the delivery room so that was grand that was at quarter to nine um packed up my bags and walked down to delivery uh just about and um text my family I remember at quarter to nine saying okay we're in delivery you know we've moved and um the midwife came out to and she's like, right, your midwife um, is just on her break because you're back in a minute. So I'm going to settle you into your room and, you know, make sure you're OK. So she brought us in and um, just had a little bit of chit chat. And then our actual midwife came in and um, said to me, OK, you know, I know you've just been examined, but we do need to examine you here just for our own records or I don't know, whatever. So I said, grand. And she again said, you know, have you thought about me breaking your waters? And at this stage, I kind of went, okay, like I've kind of done what I can myself. I felt, you know, I'd walked steps and lunged and really tried. But so I said, yeah. um, And but I said, before you do that, like, what's the story with epidural? Because the midwife in the labor ward had said to me, I'm warning you before you go down here. If you want an epidural, you need to ask for it the second you get there um you need to be read you know you need to ask for it because it could take a while and this could go fast so I was like okay grand so the first thing I said was what's the story with the epidural can I have that or whatever so she said well they don't um give the epidural before breaking your water so we would need to do that first um and I said she said do you, you know do you think you want the epidural and I said no I'm, I think I'm okay for now <laughs> but I think it just had been in my head from being said to me in the mm the labor wars so I said no I think I'm okay for now like don't don't arrange it yet so she said okay would you like gas and air for the um examination and I said oh I know I'm okay I think I'm okay and she said oh we'll just bring it over just in case so she did the exam and said yep yeah, you're two centimeters and she said you know we'll break your waters now <laughs> so that was at nine o'clock and she broke my waters and that that was kind of <laughs> that's kind of the end of the story the baby was born (laughs) and so basically what happened was I got an absolutely massive uh, surge and a desire to push straight away Um, and I also straight away started saying no I can't do this I can't do this I want the epidural I can't do this I want the epidural and uh, the midwife uh, she said to me um Judith I just need you to give me 10 minutes just 10 minutes and I was like oh Jesus and with that, I was pushing again and my whole body was just pushing. And I might as well have been on my own in the room at that stage. There there was just nothing to, that could stop 
my whole body from pushing the baby. <laughs> um, and I, would, I remember I, I stopped after like the first kind of big need to push and looked around and Bernie had popped her head back in the door <laughs> like she'd only gone to get a stool mm. and she just came flying across the room like you know to to help I guess um and then that was it pushing again um I remember Bernie saying to me um put your hand down you can feel the head and I was like no and push again <laughs> um and yeah, it was just all a bit a bit manic. I don't really know what happened between the three of the other people in the room. I was just doing what I needed to do. Mm. Um, I know at one stage, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Uh, it's kind of funny, so I'm going to add it and include it. But at one stage, there was a smell. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm pooing. <laughs> and they were like, don't worry about it. And I was just like, oh, my God. And they like don't worry about it so at the same time I was like in the middle of saying that going Mm. and pushing and yeah it was all the same the same muscles doing what they do um and yeah at 9 16 p.m he was out 16 minutes um from the time I sat on the bed for the first time in delivery so we were half an hour yeah in delivery um I felt like superwoman (laughs) like you know um so different to the hours and hours with an epidural like Mm. so different um and it definitely makes me feel now like I could do it again you know and it definitely makes me think maybe not exactly in 16 minutes yeah. <laughs> <That> <laughs> yeah. a pretty intense 16 minutes but you know it kind of makes me think I could do it myself again um but that was it there was no tears there was absolutely nothing they just put him up actually they were they, it was all so fast that they they hadn't even the room prepared so they just lifted him up onto my chest and had to go and do what they needed to do and um, with the result that like his cord wasn't clamped for a really long time oh, which actually would have been one of my preferences this time had I had the time to tell them that mm. <laughs> we hadn't got that far it was just like we just walked into the room you know and um, but that would have been one of the things that I wanted this time uh, delayed cord clamping so yeah he was up in my chest and eventually they kind of said to Martin would you like to cut the cord and he's like oh no <laughs> this is not his thing and I said oh, I'll do it please and um, so I actually cut the cord good idea myself yeah yeah and so we have a lovely photograph of me cutting the cord and um, beautiful fight. Cool. You know, he was up for ages. Um, and yeah, they took him away just briefly to weigh him and he was back. So again, it was quite different to Sam. He was back up skin to skin, my nightdress off, just lying on me. Um, so that was it. We were just left for an hour and that was it. Brought downstairs. Um, totally different experience in the hospital. I was brought into a room that only had three beds in it. It wasn't a private room or anything. It was just a small room. Um, and there was no other babies for the most most of the time that I was in there. Um, so, yeah, absolutely lovely experience for the two nights um, in the hospital. I could have gone home after one night, but decided because it was such a lovely location in the hospital that I was mm. and I would take the extra night before having to go home to Sam and um, 
And yeah, this time I set myself up for night two with my snacks and my, you know, everything that I needed to get through night two and a totally different midwife who came into me and um, she was on her second night with me. She said to me, uh, like, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> you know, the, the, I was, I was fine. The baby was fine. I was mm. sleeping with him beside me in the bed. I was able to feed him, feed myself, do it all. This time was so different. Um, and she just said to me, right, it's night two, are you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. I have all my snacks. And she said, all right, ring the bell when you need tea and toast in the middle of the night and I'll get that for you. It's all I can do. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, she was lovely, completely different um, experience. And yeah, that was it. Will we move on to your next pregnancy? So when um, Max was one again, we decided that we were going to try again. <laughs> 12 months seems to be our magic number. Um, but that happened to also be last March, March 2020, uh, the beginning of the pandemic. So the first month um, that we were planning to try, we just got stuck in America <laughs> and didn't. Um, but we did fall pregnant the the next month. Um, and it was uh, it was a bit of a surprise in the sense that because we were all worried about toilet roll and um you know just having enough food to get from one end of the week to the other and buying far too much I wasn't doing ovulation tests or anything like that we were just kind of going with things so um I there was no two-week wait or anything like like that I was driving to the park one day coming towards the end of our first really strict lockdown and I got a spell of kind of ooh, dizzy and so I thought to myself, oh, that's familiar Um, could be pregnant, but didn't really pay too much heed to it. Um, and then the next day I was out for a walk and thought, oh, I might just buy a pregnancy test and, you know, rule that out um, and came home, did a pregnancy test. And it was positive, which was a bit of a surprise uh, for the two of us because we hadn't been taking it very seriously. It was just like survival mode. Um. So that was it. Because of my history, mm. I always get blood tests done to check um, that my HCG is rising, is doubling within 48 hours. So I did that and it was rising within 48 hours. Um, and so that was it. I booked in with the Hall Street again and got went for an early scan at seven and a half, seven and seven weeks. Um, absolutely, completely anxious you know, didn't know what was going to happen, uh, obviously on my own this time for everything. Um, as soon as she called my name, I started to cry before I even got into the room. Um, but she, yeah, did the scan and there was a teeny tiny heartbeat, uh, which I hadn't expected. So that was brilliant. Um, but because I was so anxious, she said to me, you know, well, we bring you back in, we'll bring you back in uh, in two weeks. So we bring you back in at 10 weeks again, just just for literally for a reassurance scan. So I was so thankful because it just spent, you know, I only had a couple of weeks to get through. Mm. So I did that again, went back in, got the scan. Everything was great. Um, and this time I was on medications again to support the pregnancy. So I was on um, like baby aspirin and um, progesterone. Um, and yeah, everything was going absolutely fine delighted couldn't believe it like after having such a struggle we kind of had thought we would have a number of miscarriages before we would be successful again we just thought the same thing would happen so this was a bit of a mm. 
a, you know, a pleasant surprise. Went in for my 12-week booking in appointment as normal, and I was just in the normal system then. And um, I met with a doctor, um, as you normally do, and I asked him about my medications, should I take them? Um, and he said, no, no, you'd be fine to stop taking the medication now like this in hindsight he was wrong I shouldn't listen to him but he said there's no supporting evidence to show that they um do anything to help support a pregnancy so you're absolutely fine at this stage to stop taking them um and I kind of went out and my gut told me I'm not really comfortable with that. I'm not not really good with that information because it's totally different to the information I got when I was pregnant with Max. Um, at the same scan, I had been told to keep taking it and then keep taking it. Mm. But because everything had gone so well and that was the advice from the doctor, I stopped taking the medication gradually over the course of about two weeks. I kind of weaned myself down um, and yeah, obviously hoped that all of our kind of worries and troubles were behind us and we were moving forward with the pregnancy and yeah everything was going fine until um 14 weeks and six days I went to the bathroom and there was some blood when I wiped so it wasn't a lot it was you know would probably be considered spotting at that stage um but it was concerning um but I also didn't want to panic so I and I've been there before, like I've had, you know, little bleeds in pregnancies before, but nothing to worry about. So by the Sunday, mm-hmm. there was still a little bit of bleeding happening. So I called the emergency department in Hollow Street and talked to the lady through kind of what had been happening. And we both kind of agreed, you know, it does sound kind of normal. And, you know, if you want to come in, of course, absolutely come in. You know, we're here anytime, whatever. So I decided not to go in and just let it play out because I knew that there was nothing that they could do really anyway. Um, but it continued to happen throughout the week and I got to the following Friday. So exactly a week later, 15 plus six. And when I went to the bathroom that morning, there was more blood when I wiped like a, you know, a larger amount. And I decided I needed to go straight into the emergency room. So I went in to uh, see them and they did a scan and showed me a gorgeous little baby um, kicking his legs and having a little drink, opening, closing his mouth. And he looked great. Um, So they said that was good. They did um, an internal exam and I had said to them that I, I thought maybe I was losing my mucus plug during the week. There had been maybe a little bit of something, you know, along with the blood. Um, so they kind of checked to see was my cervix open or was anything going on <laughs> there and said, no, they couldn't see anything. Um, and then the nurse and the doctor left me in the room and said, um, we'll be back to you in a few minutes with a plan. So I waited and they came back and um, said that they were going to book me in for a you know, a formal scan, you know, the upstairs and the the better machines. Um, but it wouldn't be urgent and it would take, you know, a week or two. Um, 
And I was also asked how far away I lived, how long it would take me to get back, who was the home with me, um, questions that were kind of, you know, ringing alarm bells, really. Um, and so I said, like, you can't send me home without a scan. Like, if the scan is upstairs, is is I need to go up there today. You know, I can't, you can't send me home this anxious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so they left the room again and came back and said, okay, they're going to see you upstairs. Um, would you, you know, do you want to go off and get a cup of coffee or whatever? And they're going to call you when they're ready to see you. And I said, look, I don't care how long I have to wait. I'll, I'll wait for the day, you know, that's fine. So I left and waited and went upstairs then for the scan and saw another lovely lady who didn't do like the anomaly scan but did you know a good version I was 15 plus six so did a good proper check on baby and told me that the baby looked Mm. great everything was perfect with baby she said she couldn't see really see my placenta the placenta would would be too small at this stage um but that you know didn't she couldn't see anything wrong everything looked fine and she felt that I would be fine and everything would be fine so that was it I just had to leave and of course I was doing all this on my own as well um COVID so um I left the the hospital that was it just out the door (laughs) um but I didn't didn't feel good about anything that had happened so I went home was Friday and I said to Martin look I'm just getting into bed for the weekend I just I don't know if bed rest will do anything, but I feel like if there's something needs to heal that I need to rest so it can heal. Um, mm. So th- he just took, obviously took over with the kids for I'd even finished work. And on Saturday, then I stayed in bed for the day. He brought the kids off wherever for the day and came home. And I said to him, you just order some dinner. You know, I haven't eaten all day. So um, he ordered some food and I went down to the kitchen table and I ate it and I kind of got a bit cramps after I ate it and I thought oh god you know did I eat too fast it was because I haven't eaten all day I feel really crampy I'm just going to go back up to bed you know that was it so I went back upstairs and the cramps continued and they were quite you know quite sore but I, I was really just I maybe I was just trying to convince myself or protect myself, but I was saying, I just gonna need to go to the toilet now in a while and it'll be grand. You know, it's just trapped wind or something. It was that kind of cramping. Mm-hmm. Um and I was, you know, texting friends and I was just taking it easy. Um and I'd say about half eleven, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna try and go and sleep and um it'll be gone when I wake up. You know, it'll be gone. So I did actually sleep and I, I don't know how, like I'm not a great sleeper the best of times, but I did like my body just switched off and went to sleep. Um, and I woke up at 1.50 a.m. I was in the spare bed, which is in the attic. So my husband was downstairs with the kids. And um, so I was on my own in the room, but I woke up and I went to the bathroom and there was more blood concerning uh, when I wiped and the cramps were still there. So I rang the emergency room and explained to the lady and um she said look you know you can come in or you can wait till the morning it's really up to you there's really nothing we can do you know if it is 
you know, if it's a loss, it, there's not really nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of said, oh, I think I do need to come in. And she said, how will you get here? And I just said, I'll, I'll have to drive. Like I have two small kids asleep, you know, my husband will have to stay with them. Um, and she said, you know, you could call an ambulance. And I said, um, stupidly, no, 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 I, I know I don't take an ambulance on somebody now who might need an ambulance. <laughs> um, I'll just drive myself in because, you know, somebody will need that more. And she's like, you're perfectly entitled now to get an ambulance if you'd like to. You know, I understand that you might want that to happen. But, you know, and I said, no, 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 I'll just I'll drive myself in. I feel fine. I'm grand. And she said, OK, we'll just park outside the door. They'll know you're coming. They'll look after your car. So I was out the door really quickly and started driving. And it was about 45 minutes absolutely no traffic um but as I was driving uh, I realized that I was having contractions that they were actually contractions they were coming and going and they were lasting a certain amount of time um and I was just like fuck you know I'm having I'm having contractions that that is what this is and I hadn't identified that at all earlier on it didn't feel like that it felt like more continuous um Anyway, I managed to park the car myself. I was in the parking space right beside the hospital, walked in. They were waiting for me and straight into the, well, did I go to admissions? I think I still have to go to the admissions. I don't know why. But anyway, into emergency, into a room, and she did a scan, and the baby was fine. He was kicking away, not a bother. He was fine. And I didn't tell her straight away about the contractions. I think I was just in such a daze. I didn't, I was like, yeah, cramps and da, da, da. And it took me a few minutes to say, maybe to admit it. I don't know. I just didn't want to admit it or say it out loud. But it took me a while to say, I think they're contractions. Mm. Um, and she was like, do you, th- do you think so? Yeah. So like after that, really what happened, I guess, is kind of a bit of a blur Um it was kind of a case of she did examine me and um, I wasn't dilated or anything at first. Um, and then it was it was literally just a case of waiting. And she was kind of monitoring, I guess, the timing of the contractions. And then she might leave me in the room on my own for a little while and then come back, which really wasn't ideal to leave me on my own. But anyway, um, again, when you're on your own, you've no partner. Like, mm. sure, she had other things to do. So, um I, I knew and I rang Martin um, and said to him, I'm having contractions. The baby's going to be born. And he was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, and of course I had asked, is there nothing you can do? Can you not stop this? Like, what's going to happen? She was like, I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing we can do. Um, and he was asking the same thing. He was like, can they not give you an injection? Like, is there nothing like, surely they can do something, anything. Um, and, you know, I didn't talk to him for too long, but he was trying to, you know, get somebody to come and mind the kids so he could get into the car, but nobody was answering. Um, so I just asked the midwife, I said, in your experience, will this stop? And she said, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> she said, no, I'm sorry. It, in my experience, it won't stop so I knew then that I was just waiting um for him to be born I didn't know he was a boy um at that stage so yeah that was basically it she said to me uh, would you like pethidine 
and I said no I just want to feel I want to feel everything I don't I don't want any pain relief um and she just said to me you know let me know if you feel like anything changes down there so that was it I just sat and waited and contracted and um I could feel a change and I said to her I could there's something down there now I can feel something um so she checked and she just said um I'm so sorry I can feel the bulging waters so that was that was it obviously I I just cried him like I was hardly even looking up the whole time but I just put my head down silently and cried um and after a little while I said to her I think I need to go to the toilet um and she said um we you know we prefer if you didn't go to the toilet we'll get you a bedpan um is that okay so I suggest that's fine and they basically put the bedpan under me and with that there was uh, a sound and I just said oh my god is that my baby um and they said yeah it is so he had just been born um with the urge to, to go to the toilet so she said to me um he's in the call would you like to see him no not him but would you like to see your baby it's in the call um so I said yeah um I would so she really delicately lifted uh lifted it up so I could see uh, I don't even remember what I saw <laughs> I couldn't tell you, I couldn't describe it to you now, but I did see it. Um, and so she broke, broke the waters, broke the sack, and um, I saw a move. And oh, Judith. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Um, so she put him up onto my knee. If I had my knees up, um, she put him up onto I could straight away see he was a boy um, and obviously he was perfect because he had just been alive like you know um every you can literally see the blood going through his veins and he was perfect like the most perfect 10 tiny toes like the smallest toes you could imagine absolutely perfect 10 little hand fingers you know um I always think it's funny because when you read the apps and they say your baby is doing this and your baby looks like that, like you nearly think it's it's kind of so surreal to think that at 16 weeks, um, so 16 weeks exactly that day, uh, at 60 to, to think that that is so true, like they really are a baby, you know, he was a baby, just really small and perfect. Um, so I rang Martin and said, it's a boy. And he said, don't let them take him. Don't let them take him away. Um, and I just said, they're not taking him. He's ours. Um, they're not taking him. So I asked him a sec. They, the room became really busy then um, because there was a high risk of um, hemorrhage because the placenta doesn't come as easily um in that circumstance so there was a really high risk that I would have to be brought for surgery uh, emergency surgery so they were kind of preparing me for that and the whole time we called him Noah Noah was lying in front of me uh, beside me on me <laughs> um 
so yeah the room became really busy got the injection for the placenta then there you know there was a doctor down to try and remove the placenta thankfully they got it and I didn't need to go uh, for surgery thankfully um but yeah they were trying to put drips in me and just all sorts of all sorts of things going on um and then when all that was done it was just they kind of um you know, they asked what what would I like to do? And I said, well, like, I obviously want him, well, not obviously, because everybody's different, but I want him with me. And they said, you know, will we get him a little blanket? And so they um, had a beautifully knitted little blanket and he, you know, was put into a basket and, yeah, just stayed with me. And I was brought to you toast, just like, you know, every other birth. Um and left in the room on my own um which again wasn't ideal but like I don't know what the option is if your partner isn't there you're just on your own um anyway that that was kind of it I was brought upstairs to obviously private uh room with him I carried him I was wheeled in a wheelchair and I carried him in a little basket obviously I kind of covered him because I didn't want anybody to be <laughs> scared um or see him or worried or frightened um and yeah that was it I stayed in that night he was delivered um at 23 minutes past four in the morning so I stayed obviously that night and then the following night again um because they wanted me to see the bereavement team on Monday they don't work on Sundays um and yeah it was a obviously a horrible day the Sunday um in the hospital Martin got in probably at about half eight in the morning before he got to me um my sister had to come to mind the kids um and so yeah he came in obviously and broke down and we just kind of just lay in the bed with him with us kept him with us the whole time I didn't want him to go anywhere not out of my sight for one second and again I know everybody you know makes different choices around that but for us we just wanted to to keep him with us um the bereavement team came in on the Monday sorry Martin had gone home on Sunday kind of about half three he needed to go and you know my kids so I spent the whole evening then on myself by myself and um, but in fairness they had um they had a you know a bed ready to set up for if he wanted to stay with me but just with the kids and stuff it wasn't possible so I spent that kind of whole evening trying to decide what we'd call him because we hadn't thought about names or you know we hadn't I suppose I was so anxious we just never even got that far to be that excited yet you know um so I spent the whole evening googling names and the meaning of names and all that kind of stuff which was quite nice but um yeah, Martin came in the next morning. We met the bereavement team and we decided that we would like to have him cremated and bring him home with us and arrange that ourselves. Um, but the hospital did um, a naming ceremony, which we also opted for, which was really nice. So the chaplain there, she did like a little naming ceremony, a little service before we left the hospital Um and you know he's given a little coffin uh, for us to bring him home and yeah we left the hospital outside door with her baby in a coffin a 
tiny, tiny coffin. Um, we called him Noah Matthew. Uh, Noah means rest and Matthew means gift from God. So that was it. We brought him home and arranged for cremation to be the next day. Um, um, we didn't tell Sam that we'd brought him home. Um, we didn't really know what to do like with the kids. Obviously the kids, we told the kids and we had, you know, teddy bears from Felicon and we had book to read to Sam, especially. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really know what Sam, what to do with Sam. I kind of have a little bit of maybe regret that we didn't uh, introduce them, but that was that. Um, so the next morning we, that, that night basically, uh, Max was still co-sleeping with with who's actually co-sleeping with Martin at this stage because I've been pregnant so I was sleeping in the spare room so I could sleep every night and Max was Max had co-slept with me like since he was born so now Martin taking over that so I spent my my kind of night on my own then with with Noah um, and I just yeah sat up in the bed and I wrote him a letter and I read him the letter and I kind of prepared for the next day like I don't know what I kind of had in my head and what I'd like to do. We were bringing them to the Chapel of the Angels in Mount Jerome. Um, so, yeah, a friend of mine had come over earlier that day and brought us over some food and flowers and things. So I said I was going to bring those flowers with us and, um, you know, I'd read him a letter. and We'd read out a little bit of um, a verse that had been on the leaflet for the naming ceremony in the hospital. And, yeah. That was kind of it. The next morning, Sam decided he wanted to go to play school. So we left him go to play school um, and we had friends come over uh, to collect him from school and Max stayed with them as well. And um, we kind of once Sam went to school, we brought Noah downstairs and kind of laid him out, I suppose, uh, in our sitting room for a little while. And Max came in and played with his teddy bears and tried to poke him. Um, but yeah, some little photographs of that, which... Yeah, again, I don't know if we let, should have let Sam meet him or not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so myself and Martin headed off and went down and had a very small but lovely ceremony um, in the Chapel of the Angels. It's really nice. It was really nice. Um, my mom, my sister, my brother and my two nieces came as well. Um, but they weren't really invited <laughs> They just were there <laughs> when we got there like we didn't make it like it wasn't a thing that we were doing as such um but you know your family show up and that's what happened and they were there when we got there um and the lady said to us you know there's music playing um is that music okay or would you like to choose some songs of your own and we were like no no that, that sounds fine it's fine or whatever so yeah we opened the little coffin and everybody met him and um I read my letter to him and we put it in with him and put a photograph of the boys and a little teddy bear and things like that. Uh, Martin said a few words and we read a little first together and then my family kind of left and we stayed on our own for the last couple of minutes. Um, and something kind of funny happened that day. 
a song that I sing to kids all the time is You Are My Sunshine, like all the time. I have a rug in Max's room with it's a big circle and it's the words on it are You Are My Sunshine. Like I just love that song. And it was the very last song that played on this pre-recorded, you know, whatever. We just said play whatever. And it was the very last song uh, that played for whatever reason. And we couldn't believe it. Um, but it was just perfect. The whole little little ceremony um, was perfect. And yeah, that was it. We had to say goodbye and walk out, basically. Um, and we, yeah, we went back and collected them the following week and had a nice family day. Obviously, the boys didn't know what was going on, but that's kind of what we did. So, uh, yeah, that that was Noah. Um, so, uh, yeah, my recovery didn't go quite as smoothly um, as I would have liked. Um, and I ended up having to have uh, D&C two months later. Um, so I had a continuous kind of on and off bleeding for... The, the whole time after um, so there had been some they hadn't as, as it turned out they hadn't gotten everything um that they needed to so it was a long recovery um and a bit of a a bit of an ordeal towards the end I had to kind of stay back in hospital and get um intravenous antibiotics and surgery done by kind of very senior lady um and yeah, that was it. So that was the end of August 2020. Um, I suppose we were lucky in the sense that at the time we could have family and friends around us. COVID wasn't, we weren't in lockdown, you know, we were able to have people in our home. And after we had that ceremony that morning, you know, we came back, my family came back and um, our, we had a couple of friends here, obviously reminding the kids and, you know, um, we, we weren't, we were, we were able to get support from family for those next few weeks which we wouldn't have been had the timing been slightly different um but yeah so we are no six months down the line now since then um and yeah it's been it's been a funny a funny old journey I guess So I knew Judith was continuing with her journey and trying to conceive. I asked her to share an update with me so I could tell you guys how she was getting on. So this is what Judith sent me. Since recovering physically from the loss of Noah, I have gone on to have a further four pregnancy losses, three recurrent chemical pregnancy losses and most recently an ectopic pregnancy. At the time we spoke, I had a suspected suspected eptopic pregnancy and was under the care of her maternity hospital. Sadly, the end of that pregnancy was by laparoscopic surgery during which I lost my right tube also. We are still on our journey hoping to add to our family once again. I have met with a consultant and next week I will be doing a blood test that will be sent to Chicago, aptly named Chicago Bloods. The test will analyse my natural killer cells to see if it is possible my body is attacking my embryos as a foreign body and preventing them from implanting. We will have the results two weeks later and we will go from there. Maybe we'll get an answer or maybe we don't. I really, really hope, I actually have goosebumps reading that out. I really hope that um, Judith gets the answer that she is looking for. And yeah, I just, I actually think about Judith a lot. Um, her story 
just had so much in it and it's an awful lot for one person and a couple to go through. So if you, your Judith has also said, if anyone would like to reach out, that they're more than welcome to. So I will pop um, her Instagram handle on the show notes as well. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.